Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. 
Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact us here at The Secret Teachings, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. And check out our website at www.thesecretteachings.info where you'll find our full show archive, our montage archive, my books, top news stories, and more, all at thesecretteachings.info. That new archive, powered by Captivate, it is a one-stop place to find all of your favorite and maybe some of the shows that you don't like, but all the episodes of The Secret Teachings there on the website at thesecretteachings.info. When you support the show, it also supports The Fringe FM, and it supports... What I like to think is a more open, free form of thought than a lot of what we consider to be the occult, the esoteric, the paranormal, etc., including independent political talk shows of whatever it is that these communities are or represent. And here on The Secret Teachings, if you've never listened to the broadcast before, we combine a number of different topics together. And we'll jump from cryptid creatures one night to health the next night. And then we'll have interviews with authors and researchers and scientists and doctors. And then we'll jump back to talking about Mothman and other cryptid creatures and jump around to parapolitics and parapsychology. Even what I call religio parapolitics. We'll talk about all of that and more. And we do that without really picking a side. I'm not interested in defending a political or religious point of view. I'm not an atheist, not an anarchist. I'm not even really interested in defending magic or occultism per se. But it irritates me when I hear people tell me on radio, especially, and some of you heard this last week, a roundtable discussion I had with Charlie Robinson, Jay Dyer, and a number of others. I didn't even know who was going to be on the show. And it turns out a lot of Christians were on the show. This big roundtable, Union of the Unwanted on YouTube is what it was called. And uh, they told me that all pagans perform blood sacrifices. And I thought, well, that's that's interesting. I know I know some people that consider themselves pagan. They don't perform blood sacrifice, but you probably drink wine in church and think that it's the blood of Jesus, so that's bizarre. And uh, another person told me Manly Palmer Hall was a pedophile, and of course I can't get any evidence or proof of that, uh, but because he wasn't a Christian, and that's not of course to demean Christianity, uh, it was funny on that show, a lot of the Christian people actually agreed with the foundational basis of what magic and occultism are really about, they just said you should stay away from it if it's not called Christian. Well, okay, that's your point of view. That's your viewpoint and perception. I can respect that. I just don't like when people take things that are more uh, 
balanced in terms of an approach without a label or an identity, and they try to demean it because it doesn't fit into their paradigm, uh, at least in terms of projecting it on other people and trying to convince other people that that viewpoint, which is a viewpoint that has no or little identity, is somehow wrong because it doesn't have a solid identity. Of course, every point of view is an identity. It is a belief. And these are more like philosophical, psychological things that we can discuss. But we're going to talk about a number of different things relating to mysticism tonight. Faith, I talked about that on a recent show. Belief, I just mentioned it and talked about belief on a recent show. And even the subject of prayer which a friend of mine, my co-host Jack from the Messenger of Information website, messengerof.info, he called me and he was talking about prayer and he said that, and Jack has a very uh, unique viewpoint on Christianity and other religions. He just he can't get into religion, when, and I respect that about Jack because I'm not really in religion per se, but Jack was telling me about prayer and I said, well, I think if people's perception of what that prayer is doing is harmless and is directed toward the inner self in in a sense, then I think that prayer is a good thing. So we'll talk about that tonight, ceremony, metaphysics, and other things. And to do that, uh, I've kind of welcomed, but we've also talked about it, and he's uh, agreed to come back on the show. The author of Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, and Anthony Tyler, the author of that book, which you can find on Amazon, and you can also visit his website, divemind.net. That's D-I-V-E, mind, M-I-N-D, dot net. Find him also, I believe, on Facebook. I believe he's public on Facebook. Anthony Tyler, welcome back to The Secret Teachings, my friend. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me back on. It's uh, Last time was a real pleasure, and I'm sure this time will uh, go over similarly. Yeah, well, the first time I have someone on the show, I like to really give them a platform to express what they feel and what their work might be about. In your case, you have a book, but you also have a lot of other things that are on your mind. You're, I know you're working on another manuscript. Um, mm-hmm. for, for people who don't know you, give us a very brief background on the dive manual who you are, and then we can explore some of these other things that we didn't get to talk about last time. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I've, I've been writing for quite a while. Um, I, you know, I had a, a small horror paperback published in high school and, um, I kind of helped set up, uh, I was one of the, the, uh, the, the upstarters, so to speak, definitely not the creator, but, um, uh, I came on and helped develop uh, one of the developers of uh, The Last American Vagabond um, and a nonpartisan news website. Uh, they're still really active today. Um, and But I stepped away from the kind of journalism type stuff uh, and conspiracy related stuff to uh, uh, you know pursue some of my other interests that I've always had, which honestly ran a lot stronger and uh, roots go – pretty much as far as I can remember, just interests in uh, esotericism and, uh, you know, 14 unexplainable phenomena. And um, because of some pitfalls I had in my life, everyone's got some of them, um, I kind of hit, I came to a crossroads um, earlier on than a lot of people 
would come to where I just kind of, um, I had to, to, to not mince words, like from a Jungian perspective, I had to engage with the shadow quite a bit and, uh, and, you know, to work with some serious mental alchemy and, um, you know, nobody's perfect, but I, I took steps to, uh, change my life in certain ways, in certain practical, empirical ways. And, um, in the long run, you know, I, I wrote a book about it since, since I've always been a writer. Uh, it was kind of the natural step forward, um, it, it, in terms of artistic medium and there we have dive manual and, uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Um, I've always been interested in this stuff and, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we opened up a whole cornucopia of things with our last conversation. And I thought it, uh, in terms of, uh, like topic coverage, it went over really well. And now we can get into some more meat of the data. Yeah. I know that your book, uh, although I think a lot of occultism, esotericism, mysticism is psychological, your book is very direct in how it approaches those psychological components of those subjects uh, what, what what is exactly about the psychological element that interests you? Is that just where you uh, found your path into those topics, or was that something that you just by happenstance picked up and started reading those kinds of books? Because I came into occultism and, and whatnot through symbols, just raw symbols. You seem to have taken a different approach, but we've come to the same place. Yeah, certainly. And, yeah, I guess you could say that that was that was kind of the stuff I initially gravitated towards. But even when I uh, was interested in like more specifically esoteric kind of things, uh, occultism and whatnot, um, I, I always just, you know, I always had this kind of a chaos magical perspective of um, I can see that there are results that people get out of certain beliefs. um, Even if we can't always quantify them, uh, like, you know, the, the, what's in between the A to B process. Um, but each different belief, uh, as I, w- we kind of talked about in the last episode, uh, the conversation we had, um, different belief systems kind of in, in t- especially in today's society and culture represent uh, different um, like tools in a sort of toolkit and uh, different belief systems uh, will will suit different um, cultures and uh, in individual uh, like evolutionary pressures and drives and things. And so I've always been interested in, yes, uh, certainly the, the, the practices um, like, and again, um, I mentioned uh, tradition versus dogma in our last conversation. And that's a big point to touch on uh, because if you, if you step outside the dogma, but, uh, take into account and appreciate uh, the tradition of things. You see that uh, pervasive all throughout comparative religion. There's always this common denominator of what people are getting out of their beliefs, and that's more so of what I've always been fascinated in. Is it's real easy to get lost in the comparisons of of all these things, since kind of by the nature of the subject, like it's the subject is. Uh, endless comparisons in a way. And so looking for some sort of, you know, the the mathematical term of uh, the common denominator, so to speak, with symbolism, I found, and still do, I find uh, psychology to be the the most empirical common denominator that we can find between it all. 
Do you take a more direct, applicable approach? Like, do you practice magic in a ceremonial way, or are you more scholarly about it? Um, I so I practice um, uh, ceremony and ritual a bit, and my approach with that is to start out with um, is a lot like my approach with psychedelics, where I don't have any sort of you know, I know some people who will take a psychedelic like, you know, once every three months or once every two months or something. And it's kind of like it's a, it's a semi ritual. Um, and I just I'll just do it sparingly, uh, rarely. But whenever I need to get some sort of outside, uh, I need to get outside of myself into that what I call the, you know, the transpersonal mind state uh, for some for some greater insight and perspective. Um because sometimes in life, to be perfectly honest, there are there are things that no one will be able to help you with, even if people want to be able to help you with them. And and I I very much believe that um, if you do try to, you can get bogged down really easily just trying to you know through trial and error, just trying a bunch of um, a, a different advice from well-meaning people. I've seen it happen um, a lot and. In the past, you know, I've I've gone through that trial and error process, and really, you you have to you have to dig deep in yourself. It, it sounds like a cliche, but it's it's a cliche for a reason. Um, and uh, so it's it's whenever you need it, you know. I don't look at the uh, these things as like I, I don't really have never really uh, for that matter uh, used or engaged with like love spells or money spells or any of these things. I have a very grassroots mysticism based perspective, um, you know, mysticism from the scholastic, uh, excuse me, the scholastic definition being, you know, that which allows you to get into a mind state that has some sort of, uh, more direct communication or relationship with divinity. Would you, um, and would you also, we've got about 60 seconds till the, the music for break here, but would you call that uh, a holy guardian angel? A lot of people will say that that's the point of magic. Can you describe quickly uh, what exactly it is that you try to achieve with magic? Is it that holy guardian angel? Is that divinity? How do you describe it? Mm, yeah. So I, I don't have a total aversion to Crowley, but um uh, that tends to have a lot of Crowley connotation. And in the long run, I break it down to the three is kind of like a Holy Trinity type thing. It's the, the mother, the father and the logos, the logos being, you know, the, the, the Hermes or the Christ or the Buddha archetype. Um, and we can get into that uh, plenty more after the break. Yeah, let's do that. Sure. Anthony Tyler, our guest this evening, Anthony, what's the website? Mm, divemind.net. Uh, divemind.net and your book is on Amazon Dive Manual Empirical Investigations of Mysticism the other show we did with Anthony is in the archive at thesecretteachings.info that's www.thesecretteachings.info you can also find my books there grab a copy today Uh, I'd suggest Occult Arcana for tonight's discussion it supports The Secret Teachings it supports the network The Fringe FM and I think it'll support you as well You go out and grab my book and Anthony's book after listening to the show tonight. More with Anthony Tyler after this right here on The Secret Teachings, broadcasting around the world on The Fringe FM.
This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Ides of March is the notorious midpoint of that month associated with the death of Julius Caesar and the settling of debts in ancient Rome. Otherwise, it's a joyous gateway into the spring. To celebrate the coming equinox, The Secret Teachings is offering a one-year subscription to our show archive, montage archive, all of my digital books, and a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping in the U.S., all for only $50. If you prefer a monthly subscription only to the archives and digital books, it's also available. Either donate $50 one time for the year or establish reoccurring payments through PayPal on our website at thesecretteachings.info or through the PayPal email rdgable at yahoo.com. This offer can be used to extend a current subscription and is good around the world. Your support truly keeps us on air five nights a week supporting both The Secret Teachings and The Fringe FM. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you want to know more about UAPs, the paranormal, conspiracy analysis, current events, and other topics that interest you? I'm Jess Rogie, host of The Rogie Report. Explore The Unrevealed every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific, live here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. It's March, the month of the spring equinox, Ostara, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. From parapsychology to pop conspiracy, and from parapolitics to health and esoterica, I'm Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, and I'll bring you all of this and more five nights a week right here on The Fringe FM. 
by using critical thinking and objectivity as keys to understanding, utilizing, and appreciating the secret teachings of all ages. You can catch the secret teachings Monday through Friday right here on the Fringe FM after Joe Rook and Lighting the Void. This is Grammy-nominated recording artist Johnny Cobb. You're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday, five nights a week. Check out thefringe.fm or fringe.fm. That will get you to the same place. You can download The Fringe FM app as well. I just finally got a new phone and downloaded the app for the first time. I've had an old phone for a very, very long time and got the application. You can listen to the network with that application and do a lot more. It's free to download. Check it out today in the App Store for your Google or Apple device. Tonight, Anthony Tyler joins us on the broadcast. In the last segment, we were talking with him about his view on magic and the purpose of magic. I believe that magic is like each and every individual symbol. It can be interpreted in countless ways. And although one symbol might have a very negative or some might say dark association, In its inverted state, it might also have a very light and positive and powerful association. And in fact, most symbols, whether it's the pentagram or the swastika, or even the cross for that matter, have positive and negative, depending on your perception, associations. I mean, even the upside-down cross is not always considered satanic. And when you take symbols like the pentagram, it's seen as a symbol of protection. Some associate that protection with black magic and using it to prevent yourself from becoming possessed or being attacked by demons. But that's not what the pentagram has traditionally been used for, at least in the magical texts that I've read and the books on symbolism I've read. But Anthony Tyler is with us, and he was talking about his view on magic. Some people say that magic is really about contacting your holy guardian angel that has a Crowley-esque component to it. I'm not a fan of Crowley. I know, Anthony, you're not really a fan of Crowley either. But if you'd like, just pick up where you were leaving off at the end of the last break. Absolutely. And uh, very, very quickly, uh, I do have to give a shout out to an internet friend of mine, um, internet named Mr. Bridges. Uh, He found out that I was coming on the show and he's apparently a longtime fan. So, and he was very excited to see me come on. So, what's up, Mr. Bridges? Um, and in terms of magic, now, see, you know, so I, I mentioned, I kind of, it, it's essentially like a Jungian uh, holy trinity without trying to come across pretentious here. Because it's just, it's the, it, the way I see it is it's the bare bones of uh like these are the common denominators if we're if we're looking for such a thing in comparative religion because it go it branches out and different 
religious or mystical doctrines or ideas uh, facilitate uh, different things in many ways, but they're always um, they're always stimulating and triggering or coming from uh, the same aspects of the mind because and even uh, biological places because we're all human in the long run and um, um, the, the that is those are especially when you look at uh, because the mother and the father um, it gets into it, really the trees of life and death and the whole positive negative yin yang um, getting into like the the physics part of the metaphysics of it all and uh, it's it's not so much to do with uh, y- you know the I mean these are all humanizations of very esoteric forces of nature so to speak that and, and there's a crossroads uh, a, a, a threshold a touchstone where these things coalesce with the human experience but certainly exist outside of it and um, I think that so there's the mother and the father the positive and the negative the tree of life and the tree of death and then there is your intersection with it which is uh, what um, what many people call the logos you uh, uh, also called it the logos in many um, oftentimes but the the more uh, like boilerplate uh, Jungian psychological term for that would be the the persona, and then the fourth of that of the the Jungian template it would be the shadow, um, and that's where with the shadow um, there are definitely positive aspects to the shadow because it represents that which you do not know about yourself and existence at large, and the best representation of that would be like Virgil in in Dante's Divine Comedy, um, something that is not exactly of heaven. Not exactly divine, but it is something that's not malevolent at all. And, and and then the worst case scenario, the shadow getting into the outer limits of demonology, and then there's that gray area of fourteen uh, phenomena. Um, so that's kind of where it starts. And um, in terms of the practical applications of these things, um, you know, you talked about the symbolism in these things. Like I don't. You know, I find um, a bit of comfort in the pentagram um, as much as me my, uh, my yeah, orthodox Christian mother would hate to hear me say that. Um, I went and stayed with her for a while uh, some years ago, and she threw out my tarot cards. Um, <laughs> she threw out your tarot card. My, my mom uh, shredded my Harry Potter book when I was a kid. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds like my mom, too. Yeah. Um, it would, I, I And I... Uh, I get along with it just fine and all, but yeah, my mom's, um, my mom's calmed down on that too. That's good. Yeah. This, uh, I mean, the, the, before Satanism and all these things before the, the, I mean, it, it was really just Christians condemning everything that wasn't Christian. And I, it essentially just, you know, it was very hermetic. It represents the, the four elements in ether, as I'm sure you're well aware. And uh, well, isn't it, uh, the pentagram to me is also kind of like the Ankh, and it represents the four corners of the world. And the fifth point is consciousness rising out of material. It's kind of like Osiris in Egypt. Right. He's wrapped in, wrapped in linen. So it's basically Jesus crucified on the cross. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, very good point. Um, I know that. You, I know that was heresy. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some people. Some people are just crawling 
in their seats right now. Come on, come on, guys. Uh, uh, it's all about the tradition, not the not the dogma, right? But uh, mm-hmm. you know, we we mentioned Crowley a little bit. Crowley, Crowley. It's all the same, either or. Tomato, tomato. Um, and you know, as so, I I give the. I give credit where it's due and in terms of uh, some technical details and the Crowley as the, the scholar uh, and, you know, just doing research into comparative religion, et cetera, um, did bring up some good points. Uh, Do without wilt is obviously problematic, but that aside, um, but then there's Crowley as the person and like what he actually did. And uh, I think, think that too many people in the esoteric community just kind of have that like i don't know it's almost like a good old boy he's like i it's just boys that's how boys were back in the day you know it's just that was just crowley being crowley like he wasn't all bad but you can't really that stuff was uh yeah extremely inexcusable you can't can't say he was all good or all bad but people have really romanticized crowley and I, i don't like that i would agree um but so um and you know, so that being said, that there is some good uh, to be had there. Um, I don't completely discourage people from looking into some of uh, Crowley's work, but there's this idea that, like, and uh, one of the big magic cliches that that Crowley definitely helped, uh, like, embolden uh, to a really like legendary degree is, you know, I, I don't know if you heard this before, but the trope that you kind of ha- need to have money uh, in order to be a full-time magician because it, it doesn't pay. And, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, esotericism by its nature, like not even Crowley made money off of it. The most legendary people, it's not a money game. Um, if at its most you're looking for, uh, like in Crowley's, uh, case, you're looking for like fame and infamy and, and uh, a legendary status out of it. Um, And I mean, he got money out of it by mooching off of followers and things, but well, you know, uh, if I may, I've actually, I didn't know that that kind of started with Crowley, that idea. Is that where that idea came from that to be, you know, basically a magician or if you are a magician, you have to have money or you should have money. If you're a magician, did that really start with Crowley? Uh, I I think that that it would, I think it's a very archetypal uh, thing. So I don't know if it really started with Crowley, but in the modern mindset, uh, I think that he's the one that like jump started that in the, in the modern, uh, in the modern understanding. Okay. Because I was on a show last week called union of the unwanted. I know I've talked about this a lot on the secret teachings couple days, but I was on there with like, I don't know. I, th- I thought there were supposed to be a dozen other people. We had Charlie Robinson, Jay Dyer and some others. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really know fully what the conversation was about. I was just kind of hanging out and it, it turned very like militant Christian all of a sudden. And that really surprised me. And in that conversation, this one person who was a very, I guess a very strong Christian, although he goes by the name of Jesus. So I think that's kind of blasphemous, but he was, he was saying that, you know, if you Ryan, if me, if, if you were a magician or he was talking to Joe Roop, another mutual friend of ours and, Mm-hmm. Saying if you guys are magicians, you know why don't you have a lot of money? And I said, well, that's to me, that's not what magic is. Magic isn't about making money. And and all the the mythos that I've read about alchemy, any successful alchemist only was able to produce gold, figuratively, symbolically, when they no longer desired material things. It was about the achievement of a, a, a new state of mind, a rebirth. 
It didn't have anything to do about money or materialism. And I found that interesting in regards to what you said and in regards to what this person said, that they, they somehow believe or for some reason believe that magic has to do with wealth, which is the very, I think, the fundamental opposite or the opposite of, of what fundamental magic is really all about, which kind of tells me from what you said that the people that know magic in a very superficial way associate it with Crowley. And that's one of the reasons I do what I do, because I want to kind of show people that there's more to magic and occultism than what they see on the surface with Crowley and things in Hollywood. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh great points made. And, um, you know, yeah, uh, it's, Unfortunately, um, some people do, uh, you know, to, to give that guy, uh, I would have felt quite uncomfortable in that conversation, uh, things turning militant Christian. Um, um, not that I wouldn't have participated, but uh, that being said, uh, t- to that guy's point, you know, there are there are occultists and, uh, and you know, magicians out there that are are just into uh, material gain um, because it kind of does fall in line. Um, that's one of the things, that's one of the big disservices that Crowley did was um, with the whole do without wilt thing is, you know, it sounds for most people, that's a pretty like romantic view of life. You know, just do what, do what speaks to you. But of course there's, there's not enough, moral or ethical rigor involved and it can be taken to some very uh it, it can be taken to any extreme essentially and uh um and so th- that's kind of why i like to use the term mysticism and i guess the difference ultimately would be mysticism is this more organic process of you recognizing how the universe and the cosmos and God, whatever term you want to use, how it interacts with you and noticing the signs and kind of, it's a, a very like Taoist kind of perspective. And, uh, and then there's the whole occultism and you know ceremony and ritual, the classical magician where you're sitting down and, and working more with technical aspects like sigils and, and, uh, and candles and incense and incantations and different things. And I do a little bit of both. I feel like I, you know, because I will sit down in a, in a ritual space and engage with some poems and hymns. I'll light a candle and some incense and, um, I'll speak with one of the three, um, either the mother, the father or, uh, Hermes, the logos. Um, and again, these things are, uh, in, they are represented in any given uh, spiritual or mystical, metaphysical outlook the world over. You will always find those three things. So, um, well, you know, you know, Anthony, when I when I was on that show too, someone did actually bring up the uh, a book written by a guy named Richard Spence, and I've I've interviewed him before about his book Secret Agent Six 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 that Crowley was an intelligence asset, a British intelligence asset. And I was thinking, and then I want to move on to the subject of prayer in relation to what you're saying, but I was thinking that I think a lot of the reason that Crowley is so popular today is because whether it was British or American or other intelligence agencies, I think they used Crowley and his followers and others like like him 
to deter people like you and me and others that are kind of just common folk from investigating these practices because at least I can tell you in my experience, and I assume that yours is similar, um, these types of things have bettered my life in a positive way uh, without any kind of traditional institutional form of mysticism or religion, etc. Not that those are bad. And I think that Crowley has been used, if not intentionally originally, I think Crowley has been used used since his death to create uh, a culture of depravity by degrading these beautiful concepts and, and making what you just said about talking to the mother, the father, uh, the logos seem like some crazy demonic thing when it's actually, as far as I'm concerned, very pure. And whether you do that or you go to church and pray, prayer, as long as you have your will directionalized um, towards something that we could, for lack of a better word, call positive or good or progressive in terms of the soul and the spirit, there's nothing at all wrong with that. So what do you think about Crowley as an intel asset being used and his image being used to kind of corrupt the types of things that you, myself, and much of our audience likes to read and learn about. Yeah, this is a, a fun topic uh, because, in some ways, Crowley his 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 goal was to muddy the waters and mythologize himself so much uh, that uh, he he whether he did it intentionally all the time or not, he definitely leaned into these uh, uh, states of ambiguity in his personal story, I guess you could say. And um, I think that, you know, I'm sure that some people are really sold one way or the other. And I'm not sure if, I mean, there, and, and there likely could be some smoking gun out there. But um, as far as we know, with the data that we have, there's, I don't think there's any way to fully tell if um, if he was like actual intel um, or like an asset in his lifetime, and I uh, I I know some people um, would say that um, that's one of the things that Crowley leaned into is he wanted people to think that uh, you know that boosted his uh, mythology, so to speak. Uh, but so regardless, though, of what the relationship he had with uh, with the government. In his lifetime, I definitely think that the evidence shows that um, his legacy, good and bad, has been used to mostly uh, bad extents. Unfortunately, like uh, you know, I'm I'm a pretty liberal, generally speaking, like libertarian kind of. You know, I I'm really socially I don't I don't judge much at all. You know, like. Um, live and let live. Uh, but the whole, it's interesting to note that the whole like hippie movement in the sixties, uh, after the CIA flooded the streets with acid and, and had these pseudo intellectuals like, you know, because, you know, Tim Leary was definitely some sort of asset. I wouldn't go so far as to call him a, a government agent, but he was certainly talking with people and, um, it all it all seemed very much like uh and you know the the whole hippie movement in many ways seemed like a um uh, an en- an engagement with the government with uh, from the government with the people to just kind of like drug out the uh, the the legitimate anti-war movement and um like the- and all of that all of that hippie mentality is really um, all linked back to Crowley in very literal ways because people like you know Timothy Leary were talking about Crowley a lot. Um, That's like so, the, like the flower power movement. I've I've always talked about that right. as being counterintelligence. I mean, people have written 
dozens of books on that. Uh, uh, have you read Laurel Canyon? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Dave McGowan's a legend. Yeah. Fantastic. Did, fantastic book. I'd recommend that too. Go ahead. Uh, I just a uh, total side note. Did you ever get a chance to talk with McGowan? No, I did before not. Before he died? No, I, I didn't did either. He was, he was like right before my time I was reading his stuff and right as I started poking my head out publicly a little more, he passed away. So rest in peace. He was one of the greats. He absolutely was. What, what was the, uh, what's the time scale for your work on this, t- on this type of subject matter? How long have you been doing this? Um, I started dabbling. I started writing for the last American vagabond. So that really like a full fledged got me into, um, esotericism and conspiracy and politics and all that. Um, that was like, uh, like 2014, 2015, somewhere like, uh, either or. So it's been, yeah, it's six, seven years or so that I've been, um, that I've been on the hustle. <laughs> so you've been, uh, you've been, you, you're going up, uh, against about a decade coming on a decade. I think I've, I mean, I've done radio for almost 11 years, but I've done professional radio like five or six. So in terms of professionality, we're at about the same, same number of years. What was your, uh, first, we come up on the second break here in a second. What was your first conspiracy? Just to have a little fun, fun with that for a second. What was your first conspiracy or something that was conspiratorial? You know, for me, um, probably uh, a pretty standard uh, answer, but it was definitely 9-11 for me. And how I feel about that these days is you know, regardless of whether or not the government knew about it beforehand uh, like it, or, or orchestrated it, um, I think that uh, people definitely obviously knew about it and chose to capitalize on it with things like not only large ins- insurance policies, but also um, things like the Patriot Act. And um, um, so I think that there was some shady stuff that went down there for sure. Uh, but I, I remember being like 16 and uh, honestly uh, smoking weed in a, uh, in a car with a friend and we we're talking about conspiracy theories. And it just occurred to me, I was like, there's probably conspiracy theories about nine 11. Right. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and my friend, his eyes lit up and he was like, of course you want me to tell you, I could tell you it all. And that was the one that really hooked me in. And I was like, all right, I need to, I need to bone up on some more conspiracy theories. And that, the rest is history. Well, you know, from an esoteric point of view, when you look at the twin towers, I'm sure that you know this. I know that most of our listening audience knows this. You can look at the twin towers as strength and beauty, or as science and the Baconian science and philosophy pillars. You can look at them as being the pillars of Solomon's temple and the destruction of the temple and the rebuilding of the temple. And that's how I've looked at the last couple of years when I've done a 9/11 show. I've looked at it from that esoteric point of view, and I think that. There would be very, very few people who would not agree with me, at least in, in concept, that the morning of September 11th, 2001, at least for Americans and a lot of other countries, when those towers came down by whatever means, when they were turned into dust, powder, whatever the case was, that destroyed the strength of America. That destroyed the beauty of America. And it's been a 20 plus year downhill slide into what is now going to be the great global reset. So I think that there's an esoteric angle there uh, as well, Anthony. We've got about 30 seconds, but if you have anything else to add on that, go ahead. Um, you know, I would agree. I, I would think, I would say that even if it's just archetypal, I think that um, it's a very, it's a, a significant and worthwhile 
uh, comparison to make. Yeah, let's get into prayer and faith when we come back. I know you wanted to talk about that. Anthony Tyler, our guest this evening, divemind.net. That's divemind.net, the book, The Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. My book, Occult Arcana, is available on our website, his on Amazon. Uh, Also my book, The Technological Elixir, where we talk a lot about the flower power movement and the music industry. That's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere right here on the Fringe FM. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, somewhere between the normal and paranormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare. Right here on the Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hey, Fringe listeners, Dave Cruz here, reminding you that Beyond the Strange airs live Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on The Fringe FM. BTS is your one-stop shop for the paranormal, the bizarre, and most of all, the strange. Join me and co-host Black Sky Paranormals, Russ Bailey, as we discuss topics such as aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, and much more. Also, we talk with profound guests, authors, researchers from all over the world, and we take your calls live on the air. Go to beyondthestrange.com and learn more about the show, guests, times, free registration for our newsletter, merch, and much more. Again, that's Beyond the Strange, Monday evenings, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. And as always, stay strange. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. The Ides of March is the notorious midpoint of that month associated with the death of Julius Caesar and the settling of debts in ancient Rome. Otherwise, it's a joyous gateway into the spring. To celebrate the coming equinox, The Secret Teachings is offering a one-year subscription to our show archive, montage archive, all of my digital books, and a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping in the U.S., all for only $50. If you prefer a monthly subscription only to the archives and digital books, it's also available. Either donate $50 one time for the year or establish reoccurring payments through PayPal on our website at thesecretteachings.info or through the PayPal email rdgable at yahoo.com. This offer can be used to extend a current subscription and is good around the world. 
Your support truly keeps us on air five nights a week, supporting both The Secret Teachings and The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Yo, hi there. It's Gigi from Shift Happens. Just stopping by to tell you to stop it. Stop that. Stop that thing that you're doing. And redirect all of your attention right directly back here to the Fringe FM. This is Jess Rogie, host of the Rogie Report, and you're listening to the Fringe FM, KTLK, digital broadcasting. Are you thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Yeah. Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhanced and improved sound quality. Edit out those awkward pauses and slips, mix multiple clips and tracks, back volumes, deliver consistent sound. Live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload to hosting, live call screening, balance levels and loud measure broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, show artwork, video and audio production, gotta do video. Or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast to audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire. The biggest thing is time. A lot of people that podcast don't have time. Time is like a really valuable currency next to cost. It's even more important than money. Why waste your time doing all this stuff? This is what we can do for you. Think about like the hours and the money you're going to have to put into doing all this by yourself. Doesn't make sense. It's going to take you months to launch. If we did it for you, we could do it tomorrow. Visit thefringe.fm, join our team and get jump started on your podcast today everything is awesome everything is cool when you're part of a team it's march the month of the spring equinox ostara right here on ktlk digital broadcasting the fringe fm thanks again um this is very refreshing and i look forward to talking with you more soon ryan Hey, this is Anthony Tyler, author of Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism, uh, website divemind.net, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable, my man. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination, where happiness is an illusion, where the past, present, and future all co- coexist on the same timeline. You're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you all for tuning in this evening. You can catch The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe. Download The Fringe FM app free for your Google or Apple device. It is capital F-R-E-E. It is free. You can also access a lot of our archive free for non-subscribers, but if you are a subscriber, you get access to all the shows, you get access to the montages, and all of my digital books. We're also running an Ides of March special, or an Ostara special for Wiccans and Pagans, where you get a physical copy of one of my books when you subscribe as well. 
and every subscription not only supports you, I think it supports you, but it supports the Fringe FM, and it supports the Secret Teachings and allows us to do this show five nights a week. We're almost to the point where I'm going to be able to scale back my part-time job now and focus directly on the radio, just working there on the weekends, and that's all because of listeners like you subscribing to the show and you get something for it too. You get a book, you get digital books, a bunch of them, and you get access to the archive for a full year. And you support something that is independent and free of the sometimes unfortunate, but at least free of the generalized labeling and, and, and conditioned uh, talk radio that you would get through things that are a little bit alternatively political or a little bit paranormal. We address all of that. And I try to do it in a very unique way. And sometimes we bring guests on to the show. Very, very rarely do I bring a guest on anymore because well, a lot of them won't come on the show or a lot of them uh, I've interviewed so many times. We'll bring them back on occasion. And uh, I've got the pleasure tonight of speaking with Anthony Tyler, who's been on the show one time. And we thought we should do another broadcast talking about his book, Dive Manual, but talking about his experiences in magical study, mystical, esotericism, whatever you choose to call it. A lot of people use those words to mean and represent the same thing. And before the break, coming into the second hour, we had been discussing the potential intelligence connections of Aleister Crowley and the usage at the very least, as Anthony said, of Crowley's legendary status to manipulate and to obscure what exactly occultism and esotericism and mysticism are really all about. And Anthony had said that he does ceremonially, to some extent, practice magic. And he said that he can, uh, he, he often spends time, like, I think he said, light some incense, light some candles or something to that effect, and talk to the Holy Trinity. And I, I know that some people might see that as, well, that's definitely, that's barbaric and blasphemous. But then there are so many others who will see Christians who pray and think that that's nonsense. And I think that Christians look at a lot of atheists who might not pray, let's just assume they don't, and think that's nonsense. Why don't you pray? And I think the issue here is that we can call prayer whatever it is that we want to call prayer. You can call it prayer, meditation, etc. But prayer is just a focusing of your will, and I think it's a focusing of your intention and your attention. And whether you're focusing it on a certain smell or a certain color, people meditate on objects or symbols or a thought, I don't believe that it's harmful if it is geared towards something that is creative and that is 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 blossoming rather than something that is restrictive. Yeah, that was a uh, hit the nail on the head pretty well there. Um, you know, uh, prayer in some sense is kind of like a I don't know, like a like a pocketbook hypnosis or something. Um, where you could pull it out real quick, and it doesn't involve all of this um, um, pageantry. And I don't mean that in a derogatory term either. But uh, it's very bare bones, and that's. That's what I like about it, um, you know, because you hear a lot today um, and I'm, I'm a pretty cynical person. Um, so I uh, I see where people are coming from. But you hear a lot of talk about how 
excuse me, how prayer just it's useless. Like, you know, like I've, it's become a trope with comedians. It seems like, like so many comedians have, have a, a quick bit about this, about how like, Hey, if you're going to send me thoughts and prayers, uh, you might as well send me nothing. Cause like, that's what you're doing anyway. And it's like, fair enough, I guess, like kind of funny, but it, 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 there's, there's a whole lot more going on. Um, and I think it really speaks to, Without getting metaphysical, this is where the trail of breadcrumbs begins. This is not exactly where it ends. So prayer might go into the these metaphysical layers of of uh, things that go beyond what I will talk about here. But at the very least, um, there's definite serious uh, hypnotic relevance here because self hypnosis or auto hypnosis it's um, not a hokey uh, new agey thing. Uh, people can take it to those extents, but there is a lot of scientific data about this. There are benefits with using um, a hypnotist, uh, but you know the pros and cons of both sides, um, and it kind of depends on what you're going for in many ways. And for me, you know, I've always been a grassroots DIY kind of person. You know, I was raised like very like raised on punk rock and metal, and that whole punk rock ethic is something that honestly I've very much taken into into my uh, my spirituality, and I um I totally understand why people see comfort and even advantage in going to someone like a priest or some sort of spiritual authority, and uh, you know, I am definitely not opposed to guidance. I appreciate people that have more life experience than me, but I don't have someone like a priest that I regularly go to because uh, I've always seen it as very, um, you know, the spirituality is about self-empowerment um, and that can be taken uh, to good or bad extents, but I mean, self. This is obviously, you know, we're talking about self empowerment. This is uh, to the extent of altruism. You know, things that benefit you and others equally. Um, so, um, because you know, the, and to that point, also, I b- before I forget, I really wanted to drive home that you know, spirituality at its core is about medicine and therapy and and healing. Because there's misconceptions, and some of those misconceptions are valid because of people like Crowley, unfortunately. Um, Those misconceptions being that there's some sort of dominance and power to gain over uh, other people or secret knowledge. Thus, it's almost like it gets into this cult leader kind of mentality. Like You see a lot of people who call themselves occultists or magicians. They're all just kind of crabs in a bucket trying to be a bunch of cult leaders with new age book sales. Um, and it's very see-through and, um, I not trying to put myself on a pedestal here or anything, but the people like that, I feel like are, um, in trying to come across so high and mighty, they're unfortunately, um, wearing their, their, they're putting their Achilles heel right out in the open. I mean, these people who are trying to be so high and mighty um, don't realize that the practices they're engaged with are by their very nature, an active and open admittance that they are flawed and broken and trying to fix themselves. And the people I really respect, you know, the people like Manly Hall and Jung, for example, were the people who, 
uh, embraced that approach. They said, this is what it's all about. It's not about the emboldening the ego. It's about um, accepting and admitting uh, how flawed and broken we are uh, as individuals so that we can um, learn to better ourselves because that is the psychological alchemical process. That's the real transmutation. Um, and I mean, if you're doing anything else, then you're just, you're just doing a merry-go-round around the ego and you're not going to get anywhere ever. I mean, uh, you know, you'll get some things, but you know, careful what you wish for. Cause I mean, sure. Crowley is a pretty legendary guy. Um, he definitely lived a rock and roll lifestyle, but, uh, um, he, you know, like, like I said in our last conversation, I mean, what he really amounts to is, um, um, you know, a trust fund brat that, uh, that had a lot of money to spend mm-hmm. climbing mountains and, uh, and, uh, doing sex and drugs and magic around the world. Um, yeah, see, but I don't oh, go ahead. I was going to say that this is, I know we've, we've just come onto the subject of Crowley. It just keeps coming up, but I went to a bookstore maybe a year ago and I used to go into the magic occult section and I would talk to people who were there and see what they were reading and see if I could find somebody who might want to just hang out and talk about those things. And one time I, there was a guy standing there and he was holding some books and I said, Hey, what are you reading or what are you going to get? And he said, I want to get this book on Crowley. And I said, what's that? What's it about? And he said, well, it's like sex magic. I want to try this stuff. And see, Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, that's the reason why these other beautiful, more complex, yet really simple to understand concepts that speak to the soul are so, they're looked upon as if they're so detestable and grotesque because a lot of people, when they start in what we call magic, they want to go like right into demonology and they want to go right into sex magic without even understanding the fundamentals of what some basic symbols mean. They want to jump in and they want to start controlling the whole universe. And that is so beyond incredibly dangerous that it's embarrassing to even it's embarrassing that there are other, that there are people, I think, uh, who find that to be acceptable. They're not thinking about it at all. And I think they've been just it's just marketing and advertising. It's just yeah. a way to capitalize on on people's interest in those things. But it makes me sad. Agreed. Agreed. Um and yeah, Crowley is just, uh, he's, uh, unfortunately, uh, as bright as he was, he is that classic example of, um, the kind of, uh, a, 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 he created in a snowball effect way, a lot of the junk that a lot of people have to sift through these days, as you said. And, um, for anyone, um, just real quick plug before we talk about prayer a little more, I'm actually, I suppose I have Crowley on the mind a little bit extra because I'm doing a conversation, having a conversation with, uh, Melissa over on the deprogrammed podcast, uh, this Friday, uh, which should be the 19th at six 30, uh, PST. And we're actually, um, we're going to have a full blown conversation about, uh, Crowley specifically. So if anyone wants to check that out, um, Melissa, Melissa's great. I've had her on the show and I've been on her show before. I, yeah. I think you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. She's, she's, uh, she is awesome. She's got a great personality and, uh, uh, thorough with her research. You know, she does her due diligence. Um, so in terms of prayer, um, you know, it's, so the, and and the reason I brought up Crowley again was just to illustrate the point that, um, this is, 
this is about therapy and um, healing ourselves. And so for me, while yes, I do, I will sit down and I'll do what you would call ceremonial magic. And for me, it's let's let's break down the mechanics of it a little bit because prayer is all rolled into this as well. Um, it's from the chaos magic perspective, I see all of these things as tools in the toolkit, you know? So whereas some people are very uh, strict and rigorous, um, they follow very, very ancient, uh, incantations and very, a specific sequence of ceremonies and things. Chaos magic, essentially, if anyone doesn't really fully know what that term means, it's, um, thermodynamics applied to hypnosis and the realms of hypnosis and what it, what that means in the long run is those where those two intersect is um is metaphysics and um so i'll sit down and y- you engage with these things that uh what they call in psychology priming um it's almost like you're allowing yourself to become incepted like the Chris Nolan movie, um, where you're using candles and incense and maybe some, uh, you know, prayer, um, to prime yourself up some hymns and some sigils, maybe that you're focusing on of the mother or the father. And, and then, um, when you get to a certain point and you, you know, uh, for me of, um, I also want to, uh, cleanse the air, um, because if nothing else, you know, you might not necessarily be doing anything physical here, but these are all, psychological priming techniques uh to get yourself into a space where you're let you're actively letting go of the outside world momentarily and you're retreating into this space that you've this magical circle that you've created where you have uh you have control over not in a way of um uh manipulation control but you it's your safe space and it's it's an irrevocable safe space you have no uh, doubt that it's a safe space and then and then therefore you 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 provide an offering um you know you pour like for me i pour out um or uh expel something get rid of something that means a lot to me um uh cannabis has been a great medicine for me throughout the years and so for me i will um i'll grind up some weed and um you know put it in a glass of water or something you know just to, and then i'll to pour that out afterward it's it's some sort of sacrifice in the moment of something that something simple that you cherish that you to to really engage you further in the moment um because the act of sacrifice here um while uh that obviously could be taken to some barbaric extents archetypally is very important because it's ultimately representing a level of self-sacrifice you know instead of this um do what thou will crowley mentality of hedonism and the pursuits of the ego are your your connection to the divine it's crowley's perspective here we're, we are giving up those things in order to um create you know because in that sacrifice it's um it's like um you know uh it it it's an investment in the moment uh like the negative side of that uh, an example would be when uh, when cults, uh, when they're recruiting people, they have them come to sermons and they make them pay big money. And part of paying that big money and the reason they can dupe people into paying that big money is because they have goaded and 
hyped up their expectations and part of the money, you know, you're doubling down, you're putting your money where your mouth is. And now you want to have a good time at that retreat that you are trying to convince your family members and friends isn't a cult um, because, you, you know, you put down the money. So in the same way, like for me, I'm getting rid of some good weed that I could have rolled up into a joint um, because I'm doubling down. And and when you get into that space, eventually, you know, after you, you say the hymns and prayers, um, you get to a state of suspended disbelief, um, purposefully, practically speaking. And because even Jung himself, you know, uh, as practical and scientific as he was, he even considered the archetypes to be autonomous. Um, so this is kind of up to the every person's individual belief at this point, whether or not you are engaging with autonomous aspects of your psyche um, and that's where it ends. Like you're puppeteering things. You're, you're kind of allowing yourself to go into a waking dream state. And, and that is for sure what's happening, but there might also be more happening where, uh, when we begin that puppeteering or as you can call the projection process, uh, we might be, that might in and of itself to get really heady here, be an offering for things to engage us with. And by putting out our own perceptions and our, uh, uh, projections of, you know, for instance, the, uh, the divine mother, uh, we might actually, if done properly, um, engage with that, that piece of the fabric of the, the universe, that archetypal, because what these things are from a chaos theory, from a physics perspective, these are innate forces of nature that have uh, created, that have uh, facilitated or um, what's the best word to look for? These are forces of nature that are uh, um, some of the things that humans are unable to ignore. And um, oftentimes have no way of fully understanding, especially when you look at ancient history. Um, and, and that's where, you know, think metaphors like or, uh, scientific terms like heuristic come in, you know, the trial and error approach to things. So I think there are many different ways of going about this, but what you're ultimately getting to is not a state you're getting into a full-blown state of self-hypnosis, a state where you are engaging. You have created this, this, um, this encasement, this psychological representation for something to then animate itself um, in a in 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 the same way that you you dream. This is a waking dream, and if you do it properly, if you prime yourself properly, you will wholeheartedly actively engage with aspects of your psyche that you do not have access to on on a daily conscious level or certainly not as clear of an access to so is this um, th this is the reason that magicians use certain tools that to the outsider they look like random elements but to the magician whether it's the wand or the cup or the sword or the pentacle these are necessary tools to facilitate what you're describing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is where I would differ from a, a, like a dogmatic occultist is where someone would say that those things, those props, and I don't say that in a derogatory way, um, but those props and the pageantry are absolutely mandatory. Uh, I, I would say that they are more like, um, 
training wheels, but not even in a derogatory way. It's what suits you. Um, it's really what suits you. And I think that there are ways to have incorporated that priming process, uh, the effect that you get out of using a prop can eventually be incorporated into your mental process to where you don't need that anymore. And um, I've used this comparison before. Um, it was a long time ago, just in like a random YouTube video. Someone put it, uh, just gave this quick example, and it, it's meant to be outrageous and and uh, seem difficult. But theoretically. Um, you know, it's a thought experiment and theoretically it seems possible. And I do stand behind this. I think it's a great thought experiment that if you, if there were the right preconditions and, uh, the right pressures, um, and you know, uh, a lack of exterior influences and you had just a magic eight ball a chintzy cheap magic eight ball and you had all those, all, all those things lining up, the intention and the preconditions, et cetera, you could create a magical system um, out of that magic gate ball, something that you got real psychological transmutational alchemical results from, you know? So it, it really, it, it, it's all about what you are. It's all about what parts of the mind you're engaging with and how successfully you're engaging with them. Um, and again, to the extents of therapy, because if you, uh, you know, we get into demonology a little bit. Um, if you uh, ultimately, um, if you don't approach these things properly and with a sense of self-sacrifice and humility, then things get very Faustian and you become led by the nose by this uh, Mephistopheles version of your shadow. Uh, and that is, I think that even while, um, that actually might lead to some personal gain and benefit for you in the long run. It's very parasitic. And I think it shows that it eats people from the inside out. Um, you know, people, uh, it, um, you really have to, you have to be willing to not only give something up, but again, suspend your state of disbelief a bit. And, uh, there is and actually a, a great example of, the like magical therapy, I guess you could say, um, in a very practical way. And it, it's actually, a, it's kind of a classic, uh, psychological book at this point. It's been out for two decades. Uh, it's, uh, Phantoms in the Brain by V.S. Ramachandran. And, uh, Ramachandran is a, a neuroscientist that has done a, a lot of work in, uh, regular everyday ailments and things, but also abnormal ailments, things like, uh, phantom limb syndrome and a lot of other cognitive, like intense cognitive disorders that often come from um, head trauma and other things. And he also did some work with sleep paralysis. And so real briefly, how he figured out how to, uh, he, he stumbled onto a way to actually begin um, mending the phantom pain that people got from their phantom limb syndrome. And it was by creating a very rudimentary mirror box that reflected uh, the image of their intact arm into the place where their missing arm was. So they had the reflection that it made it appear as if they had both their hands again. And by wiggling their arm that was real, but focusing on the reflection, they were able to totally completely uh, a, a, in a seamless way, trick their brain into experiencing 
you know, on a neurological level, the movement of that limb and, and actually in effect making the pain go away. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I've heard about that before. We got to take a really quick break. We'll be right back. Anthony Tyler right here on The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. The website, thesecretteachings.info, Anthony's website, Divine, uh, excuse me, divemind.net. That's divemind.net. The book, Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. More with Anthony right after this on The Fringe FM. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. The Ides of March is the notorious midpoint of that month associated with the death of Julius Caesar and the settling of debts in ancient Rome. Otherwise, it's a joyous gateway into the spring. To celebrate the coming equinox, The Secret Teachings is offering a one-year subscription to our show archive, montage archive, all of my digital books, and a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping in the U.S., all for only $50. If you prefer a monthly subscription only to the archives and digital books, it's also available. Either donate $50 one time for the year, or establish reoccurring payments through PayPal on our website at thesecretteachings.info, or through the PayPal email rdgable at yahoo.com. This offer can be used to extend a current subscription and is good around the world. Your support truly keeps us on air five nights a week, supporting both The Secret Teachings and The Fringe FM. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> like you're all working for the same guy. It's March, the month of the spring equinox, Ostara, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. 
Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Gable, your host, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. The music tonight is by White Bat Audio and Secession Studios. You can check them out on YouTube. You're tuned in to The Fringe FM, and you can find The Fringe FM by searching fringe.fm or thefringe.fm. Download The Fringe FM app for free. Check out our website, thesecretteachings.info, if you'd like to support the show. And that will allow you to get into the digital copies of my books. But you'll also, in the month of March, when you subscribe, get a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the U.S. You access the archive, all the shows, and the montages at www.thesecretteachings.info. And if you'd like to email us, rdgable, r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Our guest tonight, Anthony Tyler. Anthony, do you have an email for listeners to reach out to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, all lowercase, um, just all one word, no no spaces or anything like that. Uh, divemind667 at gmail.com. Divemind667 at gmail.com. Excellent. I didn't mean to cut you off, but we had to take that break. You were talking about that phantom... Uh, the ability to basically help people to recognize through the mirror the, the the phantom arm if they had lost a limb or something to that nature, if you'd like to continue on that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, people were experiencing, and they they did uh, they took steps to uh, account for placebos as well, and it didn't work with everybody, but the vast majority of people were actually experiencing legitimate therapeutic relief with uh, by like exercising their phantom limb by creating the reflection of the limb um and so for me reading that uh, years ago now that screamed instantly to me this whole heuristic like shamanistic mystical approach to therapy um and this is a bit more clinical and you know methodical you know it, it, but it's, it really is not that far off from um, a shaman shaking a stick at someone. And it's really, really mind-blowing that a person would get such legitimate relief because over time, uh, many people would um, 
they would experience lasting effects and some people would have their phantom limbs go away entirely or shrink. Um, and, and so this was a purely psychological trickery essentially that was creating serious empirical lasting results in people's lives. And, um, when you, when you look at that and you, you see, all these priming techniques um, as ways to essentially creating this magical circle for this, uh, this waking dream state uh, that allows you to access therapeutic states of consciousness. Um, You're very much creating your own mirror box with which to um, reflect your phantom limbs. So, and I think, uh, you know, that is that, 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 oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Anthony, go ahead. Uh, you know, I was just to to put a cherry on top of it. Um, I'm surprised at how few people reference that uh, Ramachandran's work to this day because that really very much seems to me to be a, a, a textbook example of legitimate um, magical thinking uh, put into therapeutic use. Is that why the mirror is so important in magical practices? I mean, we know about things like crystallomancy and the crystal ball and black obsidian stone, the black mirror. But mirrors in general are also used in magical practices, whether to summon or to invoke. Uh, Some mirrors are made of glass. Some are made of other kinds of metals. Is the mirror always used for that uh, reflection? Is it always symbolic? Is it What exactly is the purpose of the mirror, uh, even beyond what you're saying uh, in terms of that kind of scientific discovery? Uh, What is the purpose spiritually, if you will? Mm, that's a good question, and uh, I'm sure there are many different ways you could go about that. But um, the the idea of the mirror is interesting as well. I mean, it, it, uh, Jung talks about his projection process very often, and um, Ramachandran himself actually. Uh, what so much of the book goes into is what he calls the mirror neurons and um, how it's. Uh, you know, like a biological component that allows us to um, essentially relate to other human experiences and to uh, to process our, um, our artwork and other things. So it basically allows us they, the mirror neurons allow us to contextualize ourselves within our environment, um, and this is a very legitimate um, adaptation process. You know. Uh, if you think about it in terms of allowing us to psychologically grab hold of symbols in a way that we can utilize them, you know, for the first time ever, once people start developing the right aspects of their brains on a very literal evolutionary level, they can start to have names, uh, if, if for certain plants and, you know, you could start to actually develop a uh, cogent memory and, and, uh, and, different levels of thought formation instead of trial and error and just hopefully I don't die from trying this plant. And, and, uh, and then it actually speeds up the evolutionary uh, process by a very large degree. And that's why, um, and this plays into the whole archetypes and mimetics, um, aspect of, uh, symbolism in psychology and its active role as like building blocks and how memes, um, uh, for example, are considered to be not just you know funny things on the internet, but from the 
as they were first proposed by Richard Dawkins, they were they are literally um, symbols akin to uh, symbols in the mind akin to genes to the body, um, and that's certainly not a trivial. Uh, so it's like like meme magic. Yeah, yeah, that's very much what chaos magic is essentially. Um, and I guess uh, you know also. Um, We'll get into the mirrors a little bit more as well, but um, um, the difference between archetypes and memes to really understand the the science, the psychological aspect to all this um, is that archetypes are, and yes, it is a little convoluted, but if you want to understand the science behind it, you have to look at both of them. And the fact of the matter is, archetypes and memes were kind of created. They're both evolutionary psychology, but they were kind of created in different camps. But they're not. They're not exactly. They're not opposed. Um, um, they're just not. They just don't often intermingle in the literature. Uh, so, an archetype is something that is ingrained. Like we talked about, uh, how the forces of nature coalesce with the human experience and uh, create certain output. Uh, like that is an archetype. Like the mother, the father, um, the trickster. These are all components of the human experience. A meme, however is an expression of those components. A meme specifically is what happens when humans exchange those archetypal symbols between them and it and it takes on a very literal um virile kind of, you know, like the that's why they call the meme the mind virus, but that could be taken in good and bad ways. It's just virile is meant to express the nature and rapidity with which these things can grow and um etc so um mirrors yeah i I think um i think there's every reason to uh you know there's with it's uh it's no wonder i guess you could say that uh you could find them so pervasive throughout uh, comparative religion in general especially practical ritual magic if you're talking about like a mind virus and 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 uh meme magic and chaos magic um, I think that a lot of what we consider to be like raw politics and just, you know, your average everyday news story, it's just, you know, typical worldly things. I think a lot of that is based in meme magic. I mean, you watch politicians, oh, yeah. titians and others that are literally trained, not just in like mind control techniques and NLP, but, you know, their campaign, they use certain symbols to condition the masses in the same way that fast food restaurants use certain symbols and certain colors to induce hunger and to get you to come to their restaurant. Or like, I like, you know, for example, the, the emblem of Starbucks, Meliocene, the water goddess, uh, who brings sailors to their demise and draws them in with her siren sounds, her siren voice. And I read this thing one time that of all the companies in the world, Starbucks is the one company that no matter how hard people try to stop buying products there, they just can't pull themselves away. So there's that magical component within the logo of a business. And so whether it's a business or whether it's a a political uh, person, political party, everybody uses magic in some way, shape, or form. They just call it advertising or they call it marketing or they call it you know, a, 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 a good um, deed in conversation, like have a nice day. All of that is magic, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, there are, you know, the, the crystal ball is, um, when you're talking about mirrors and magic, uh, is especially fascinating. Not that I've ever used one, but, um, it, it seems very much that the, you know, what these, if you look at it, um, just from like a, a metaphorical perspective or just from a practical perspective, like what is a person getting out of this? The whole point is this sort of meditative absence, um, something that you are, you are priming yourself. Like I said, it's a twofold process where the priming, whether it's looking into a crystal ball or lighting the incense, etc., um, you, you are, um, giving yourself something very direct to focus on, but at the same time, that thing that you are focused on is actively pulling you further inward um, and redirecting your attention uh, away from the outside. So, um, yeah, yeah, and I mean, we do that. I mean, there's a reason that um, we can do these things at all, and it's because these are parts of our everyday life. Um, we just, unless you take the steps to uh, engage with the parts of your existence in this way, um, you're not going to, you're not going to get the same results. But, but I mean, this is, you know, this is life itself. Like you said, everyone's participating in this uh, in one way or another. And uh, it, this is some interesting food for thought, it, 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 kind of a left field, almost kind of humorous, but still, uh, kind of a head scratcher um, and in terms of uh, mysticism being utilized today. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, Ryan, uh, but there for years now has been a community of people online that call themselves um, a tulpa mancers. You know, the tulpa being this sort of um, uh, the, the Eastern word being tulpa and the Western being um egregore there there's a little bit of a difference but there's a lot of overlap and it's this idea of that essentially that the mind whether the individual or a collective group of people put enough energy into something and kind of create a third party because like a, of it a thought form exactly yeah um and so there are and uh, so there are a lot of people online today that actively work with this stuff um and interestingly enough, where the history, like the the real origins of it in terms of people using it in this like freeform chaos magic perspective that isn't tethered to some serious disciplined metaphysics and schools of thought is uh, people actually started learning in I think it was like Reddit forums or maybe it was 4chan or one, something like that where they, they started learning to create tulpas out of the My Little Pony cartoon characters. Um, and talking about it with each other online. And, you know, as far as the, uh, there have been like small uh, web documentaries made about it now. And uh, there have even been some, um, some uh, scientific studies like done from like a sociological perspective on this community of my little pony enthusiasts that have incorporated like this chaos magic where they are creating almost, I, I don't mean to sound um, like, crass here or anything but like because I know some people would would, uh, would uh, roll their eyes at this but it's almost in some sense like they're kind of making some sort of uh my little pony holy guardian angel thing going on and and this brings us to a really curious part of the conversation uh because and it's it's a it's like a half humorous half like almost horrifying 
perspective or um, question that we have to ask ourselves when we're talking about metaphysics is like, how, you, know, you know, I you, I guess one way to put it is like take the plank out of your own eye, uh, you know, before you judge others as the, the biblical saying goes, because, you know, a lot of our beliefs sound crazy um, or a, yeah, to other people. And some people's beliefs might sound crazy to us. And maybe they are, you know, because certainly some beliefs are crazier than others, I would say. But ultimately, like I really tried to drive home in our last conversation is what is a person getting out of this? As long as that My Little Pony topa is not, you know, putting someone on a, some Son of Sam action, you know, telling them to kill their neighbors and things, then and if, if it's just making them feel better and you know, helping them engage with life a little easier Then what is the harm? Right. Right. Um, you know, there's yeah. a, there's a website too. I, I don't promote it not for good or bad reasons, but, uh, the people that do the spirit box podcast and, uh, one of the hosts created a website where you can go and I, I guess you type in, you type in whatever you want to type in and the website generates a sigil for you. The the thing about that, which has been a little bit concerning for me when as this trend has developed, is that you can find online uh, a number of different books. One of them is pretty popular. It's called like Demons for Kids or Demon How to Invoke Demons for Children, and it's it's a book for kids on how to invoke these playful demons that'll help you with your chores and help you with your homework and it sounds quirky and kind of, you know, fun, I guess in a way, but to me that doesn't really sound fun. And I think that there is, or that there are, let's call them for lack of a better word. There are forces that wish to capitalize on internet usage and the, the direct access to the youth to corrupt their spirituality or to corrupt their, their purity, if you will, their essence with things that, although invocation, summoning, prayer, and these types of things aren't necessarily negative by any means, they are approaching innocent children who don't understand you know, the basics of symbols. They're kids that run around and play, and they're trying to get them to play around with things that might be considered uh, sorcery or black magic in a very dark sense, in the same way that I personally, I don't know about you, Anthony, but I personally have an issue, doesn't matter anybody's political beliefs, but I have an issue when people are on TikTok trying to hex the President of the United States. I'd have the same issue if people were trying to do it with Joe Biden as I did with people that tried to do it to Donald Trump. And hex is one thing people think, well, that means they're trying to prevent him from doing something bad. But some of these internet, social media, I wouldn't even call them witches, uh, they wanted to like bring harm to people, mm-hmm. uh, to the president. And I just find this all to be very reprehensible and very dangerous, whether it's sigil websites that you can type in whatever you want or it's TikTok witches. I, it, it's something that bothers me. I don't know if you have a take on that, but I'd, I'd love to hear it if you do. Yeah, well, it's a really... A, re- a really great topic to consider, uh, something I have considered and why, uh, you know, in my personal life, I definitely limit, um, I, I use technology like anybody else. Don't get me wrong, but I try to actively limit 
how like the extents to which I will use it and what I will use it for. Uh, because technology in and of itself is just such a slippery slope. And then you start incorporating, you know, these kind of metaphysical ideas into it and it can get much slipperier, uh, in, in, on some, uh, black mirror levels. Um, and yeah, I actually, I was, um, um, I was on the spirit box podcast once. And, um, so I, um, I know, uh, Durag a little bit, um, and, you know, great guy and all. Um, but I, you know, I would agree with you that there is, um, um, there's, there's a certain level of, um, of there it's, it's a bit, it, it can be pretty foreboding. Um, but it also magic is a, and, and magical thinking in and of itself is a strange thing because, uh, part of the discipline involved will you know like it's a good way to how you know if you like you could put it like this if you try to pull these things off as a, as parlor tricks um or like a ouija board at a party you're probably not going to get you might get some results but you're probably not going to get very good results if any but if you do that with intention and you go and you set up shop and you go about this endeavor Ouija board is an example, not that I've ever used one, but, uh, you go about that with the same way you go like into a shift to work. You're like, okay, I'm going to hit all these checkpoints. I got this. I'm going to do, we are getting stuff done right here. Um, and you take it seriously and you also have the right people around that are dedicated in the same way. Something you'll get, you'll get results. Um, so, um, I, uh, yeah, it it really depends on um, on how you're approaching things. Like I say, um, and um, see, it's oh yeah, that was something else I was going to bring up because uh, along these same lines, um, and I don't bring it up for people to take seriously, but um, from if, from an objective contextual perspective, it's really interesting to show like how. Um, how the internet is kind of playing a role in stirring up the archetype, the archetypal imagination in ways that um, are very real world and have real world implications. Like this whole Slender Man thing, you know, it's it's been really strange uh, since I was a teenager watching Slender Man become a silly meme to becoming legitimate inspiration for, for murders across the U S and, um, and, and create this whole, whole internet culture. And in, in the kind of my little pony Tulpa sense, like slender man really has become this, uh, this, this symbol that touches on something that was already archetypally present within the human psyche. So it's not to say that, uh, slender man is a real thing, but, um, it goes to show, you know, that there is a uh, relevance in the way that you approach, uh, the symbols and, and, uh, what results you are trying to get out of it. Yeah. Well, slender man in that sense has actually manifested, I think as a result of that. And it doesn't mean that slender man is walking down the road or hiding in the woods. That's a literalism. But figuratively speaking, as a result of the, the famous Wisconsin stabbing of the girl, uh, or mm-hmm. in many other cases, like, for example, I, I wrote a book called The Technological Elixir, and it, it's all about artificial intelligence and theology 
and I get into at the end of it, the music industry and the reliance on certain types of symbols and archetypes that the music industry uses to promote their message, whatever that might be. And I noticed a trend. I noticed that with entertainment and pop culture, you had the trend of Momo with the suicide challenge where you mm. killed yourself or hurt others to meet Momo, right? And Momo means devil in Mandarin. Mo means devil, M-O. And so she was like um, a distorted woman. And there was a lot of a lot of things that went into Momo, but for time's sake, she was like the female manifestation of that force. Slender, mm. Slender Man I saw as kind of like a, a, a male manifestation of that force. And I, I related it also to Eminem who goes by one of the personas one of the personas known as uh, Slim Shady. And Slim Shady is obviously the slender, the slim shade, the slim shady, and <laughs> Slender Man is the, the shadow monster like from Stranger Things, right? So there's that. That is a fun point, absolutely. So then if you combine that together, Anthony, and you look at the male and female components of that manifestation, I saw this story in Florida about these girls um, at a school and they, they, this was last Halloween or two Halloweens ago, they planned to kill their class. It's really dark stuff. They planned to kill their class, young girls, and like perform an unholy communion, eat like cannibalism and drinking their blood. Oh. Dude, this was all in the police report. It was incredible. But they wow. said the reason they did it was because they wanted to meet the devil. But there was no mention of Momo or Slenderman. These were just girls that said, we we just want to kill people and eat them and drink their blood. So it's almost like there is a, a force of evil and destruction and it manifests as Slender Man, it manifests as Momo, or it just manifests in corrupted youth. And beyond the religious component of God and the devil, I think that there is some underlying force of chaos and what people call evil, which is just L-I-V-E reversed or like love backwards evil. And I think that exists in the world. And I think that if we utilize tools to manifest it knowingly or unknowingly, um, we absolutely will create an environment where those things manifest. And it's it's kind of like uh, Jesus reportedly said on the cross, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I don't think the TikTok witches fully know what they're doing. I don't think a lot of the ma- magical practitioners online in the digital world know what they're doing and others do know what they're doing and they think it's kind of fun and they think it's kind of exciting. And I just don't agree with that. Well, the, yeah, the, the, one of the ultimate problems with the advent of the internet um, and our communications with it is just the lack of, it forces people to uh, create or to put limits on their usage or, you know, the ways they go, they approach this technology, you have to have a lot of self-direction. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't good at that. Um, and it, yeah, it, things get out of hand really quickly. Um, and, you know, um, let's think here. Um, well, do, do you, do you, do you feel that as a result of what I said, do you feel that magic and other related subjects should be preserved and not in an egotistic or uh, an authoritarian or in some hierarchy, but that there's a necessity and there's a reason why it takes, sometimes it takes a lifetime, but other times it might take a few decades to really understand 
what the myth or what the symbol or what the ritual is really intended to do. It, it, if it's not preserved, uh, people will take it and turn a tool for self-advancement into a weapon to destroy other people. Does that? I, I think that probably makes a lot of sense, but that's that's why I, I am in agreement with those who say that there should be certain things that just should, for those of us who know them shouldn't be talked about. That doesn't mean that we're better and you, you know, listeners don't know, but there are certain things that shouldn't just be told to the public, you know, unless they go find them for themselves, which they are available if they read the right books. Right. That's a great point. Um, so this is kind of how I feel about that. Uh, and it, it doesn't really uh, differ from, from your opinion, but to articulate it, because, you know, this is something that I actually had to take into account uh, when I decided to write this book is, um, and you know, this is how black magic in essence started was people developing protocols to get, uh, you know, uh, have a better relationship with divinity. And then what you can have, ultimately do is just flip that on its head give it a complete 180 and then you can use that for for nefarious things it's it seems to be in this dualistic world experience that we live in uh, you know the equal and opposite reaction um you're not going to be able to develop one without the other um it, it, it's just a natural byproduct and um i think that um i think that it's it, it's perfectly fine to um, I'm, I'm certainly against, uh, like I appreciate disclosure on things, but, uh, so active, uh, like disinformation and things is not something I would be for, but in terms of just, um, there's some things that, you know, p- people talk about like the, the public needs to wake up and, uh, you know, what if they learned all, every single person knew all these esoteric principles. And so the, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that don't care about them. And even if they, you did tell them they wouldn't remember it or nor would they care to. And I think that in many ways that is the most natural obfuscation is there's always going to be people out there that do not care. Um, and I think they really obfuscate themselves because in the long run, I think, um, trying to, um, trying to keep a, keep the cat in the bag or put a, put a lid on the bottle. It sounds more aggressive than, uh, than a phrase I would like to use, but you know, just trying to keep things under wraps like that, um, it, it's kind of a losing battle, I feel like, because things will eventually get out no matter how long it takes. It may take uh, hundreds of years, but things will eventually erode. The things that once were our institute, our, our, our most cherished institutions, um, when you cherish something enough, uh, maybe not in your own psyche, but certainly in the material world, it would appear that uh, those things inherently become corrupted. You know, our, our, uh, our ideals in the material world eventually always flip on their heads. And um, some of uh, the most therapeutic material will eventually inevitably, inevitably be flipped on its head as well. And I think that the only sure, way yeah. to really combat that in the long run is just honest to God education on the subjects. Uh, people just need to know because here's a problem is once people get fed up with Christianity, they think, they go to this polar extreme mindset of like, okay, well, um, apparently, evidently, all of the demons that 
Christians told me were demons, they're the good guys. And therefore, like, what's the harm in letting my kid play with, uh, you know, uh, how to summon demons for children book or whatever. Uh, like, and while I don't subscribe to the classic, um, you know, there are many different names and archetypal characters you can use, uh, uh, like beyond just God and the devil, but, um, some sort of malevolent presence is something that I don't think that we can ignore. Um, I, I, I do think it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, and I couldn't from any sort of scientific perspective speak to what it is, but in the same way that people can experience this inexplicable, like uh, therapeutic process, a process that we can understand. We can see the beginning, we could see where we start, and we could see that the starting point creates an end result, but we don't know all the in-between. And there's a good chance we'll never know all the in-between, but it can produce such positive transcendental results. It's an equal and opposite reaction. Those uh, these things can completely rip people apart from the inside out. These these more malevolent things, um, and I do think they're out there. And on the subject, I think that um, something that I will always debate. Uh, a fundamental Christian on is they have this weird black and white mentality of like, there's only angels and only demons. And I think that's so preposterous that if you're going to indulge the metaphysical at all, why would there not be gray area? There's gray area in everything. I think, I think that demeans God, that means God couldn't have created anything but angels and demons. Why couldn't have God created some aliens? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, We've Very got strange. We've, I don't get the dog. We've got on like that one. we've got like a, a little uh, more than a minute left here. But I I wanted to tell you that I, I appreciate that explanation and I I'm in agreement with you. Um, I feel that you explain that point uh, better than I did in terms of um, being able to express it in a more balanced way. I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I guess what I intended to mean is that I, I wouldn't want to give things that took me a lifetime to learn directly to someone who was just starting, not because they're less than me, but because people need to learn things for themselves. But I also do this show and share things that I've learned with people to give them a new perspective. So it's a healthy mix of everything and it's not black and white. And that's to me really what the essence of the secret teachings is all about. Uh, in theme, obviously this show's just named after a book and we cover a lot of different topics uh, and we talked to people like Anthony Tyler tonight on the broadcast. DiveMind.net, the book Dive Manual, Empirical Investigations of Mysticism. Anthony, it's been a pleasure. Less than a, a minute, about 30 seconds, if you have anything else that you'd like to add uh, and mention the book and the website again, if you'd like. Yeah, so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you got something out of it. Um, you could go to DiveMind.net from my website um we're all related content so far and uh you can go check out the book dive manual empirical investigations of mysticism uh digital paperback or hardcover now um and you know feel free to get a hold of me on facebook or twitter uh you can find any related you know all my handles and whatever on my website um but uh you know stay tuned there's a lot more content coming it's only a matter of time It'll be sooner rather than later. So thanks a lot for having me on, Ryan. It was uh, was a real genuine pleasure, as always. You got it, my friend. We'll have you back. DiveMind667 at gmail.com is the email. Our email, rdgable at yahoo.com. The website, thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe today to become a member. Access the archive, the montages, the digital books, all of it. Uh, My book, where I talk about the Slender Man Momo, is the technological elixir. It's on the website. 
at thesecretteachings.info. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. Anthony Tyler on the broadcast this evening. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you guys on the next broadcast right here on The Fringe FM. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.